episode 21, The Man, The Myth, and The Legend. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The games we play with Brian and Chris. Hey, and welcome back to the games we play. I am Brian. And I am Chris. And this is episode 21, The Man, The Myth, and The Legend. Well, we have uh, some fun stuff here. We have a special guest, Mr. Stephen Bonacore, president of Stronghold Games. (laughs) How are you doing, guys? Thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be great. The pleasure is ours. Thank you so much. Now, did I get the title right? President of Stronghold Games, is that correct? That would be correct. Uh, I can also say that I am the spokesperson for the new merged company, new a year ago, of Stronghold Games and Indie Boards and Cards. And we merged uh, a year ago in August, and we have become Indie Game Studios. So so much like that billion-dollar company out there who is uh, <laughs> bringing together great companies to form a larger company, we have done the same thing. One step so, at a time. Yep. One step at a time to take over the board gaming world. That's it. <laughs> well, and, and the, both companies offer a lot of different games, too. So, I mean, you get a lot of – now you get a huge broad range of games for the consumer that uh, there's going to be something for everybody, I think. That's right. That's that was that was always the stronghold model uh, from the beginning. Like I, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into any type of game. Anyway, I wanted every gamer to basically say, "Well, what is stronghold doing in the late, you know, Euro area? What is stronghold doing in the trick taking area?" So that's sort of it. And now with indie boards and cards, uh, they bring to to bear a whole nother genre like the social deduction games and that that thing and mostly small games as well as the reach into kickstarter which stronghold games never did um and uh kickstarter has just become too important a force in the industry not to be able to use on a selective basis so as as you probably know stronghold games started doing so this year with yes. four games yes absolutely well let's go ahead and just transition i, I maybe we have listeners that have never heard of you or uh, maybe they didn't know that they were playing a stronghold game because chances are they have played a stronghold game. Um, let's just go roll into this and uh, let's talk about a little about yourself and stronghold games. Chris, did you want to start out with uh, some of the questions you had for Steven? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the, the questions I had is that you as a gamer, how uh, what made you decide or how did you decide to go from gamer to a big part of the board game industry? Make that leap from... Right. Well, I was um, very much studying uh, the market as a gamer, just just because the the huge rise uh, in board gaming uh, in the uh, early 2000s, late 90s, um, Rio Grande games was bringing all these great oh, Euro yes. games over to the U.S. I mean, Jay Tumbleson did a tremendous job to to really start the whole revolution in the U.S. that had already been going on in Germany. Um, and while I was looking at that, I noticed that there were other companies not doing quite as good a job and not really being professional. Uh, and I just thought that with my background in uh, in project management, I'm an IT guy on mm-hmm. Wall Street for the longest time, a uh, background in project management and my educational background – Bringing all this together, I said, you know, I think I could do this and take my passion for board games and create a business around it. So in uh, in about 2008, late 2008, uh, the whole thing started coming uh, – actually, two, 
2009, the whole thing started coming to fruition where uh, with a business partner, I decided how we were going to run this thing. And then we bring it to fruition uh, with our first game in 2010. Wow. Man, that's that's got to be a leap from going from yeah. IT to a board game publisher. Well, as some people know, I didn't, ex- and 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 almost everybody did the same thing. Uh, you don't just jump in and say like, "Well, I'm going to leave my very lucrative job on uh, on Wall <laughs> yeah. Street in IT, and I'm going to like all of a sudden make no money as a board game publisher." What what you do is you take steps. I yeah. mean, so we wanted to, you know, how do you get the company known before there was a Kickstarter? There was no such thing mm-hmm. back then. You got to bring your own, right. got to bring your own money to bear and to do this. But to get the brand known, we started going after. Uh, games that people were looking for to bring back. So the games and the designers had a, had a credibility already. So we found games like Code 777. That was our first game we brought out. Survive, Escape yes. from Atlantis. Still the second <laughs> biggest selling game in our catalog. Uh, so we we found those games that people were, were had a demand for. Again, studying the market, said, and went found the designers and said we'd like to re-release this. The designers are more than happy to allow us to do so. So you basically you you have great designers with great games and then people say like well who are these guys stronghold well i want that game let me let me take a chance and obviously we were able to fulfill the need that they wanted and they they bought the games and uh, you know the rest is an evolving history i tra- yeah. i transitioned later of course to full time but that was literally after about uh, six full years of doing it part time maybe you know 5 to 6 wow. years of doing in, in a part-time or a, a double-time. Additional, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And just being in the yeah. IT world, that's a lot of work, that I can is. imagine. Oh, wow. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to personally thank you for bringing Survive back. <laughs> that was one of the games I had back in 1982. My older brother, Rob, and I played the heck out of that. We actually just had uh, did a game review on that a couple podcasts ago with uh, uh, your Stronghold Games, uh, Survive Escape from Atlantis. And I introduced Brian to it. it and played it, it a lot of fun. Really I just love it. that. So if you were playing in 1982, <laughs> yeah. really playing then, that was that would literally have been the original edition from Parker Brothers. Oh, yes. because yep. The game was released in 1982, and yep. Parker Brothers was, of course, absorbed, bought, bought out by Hasbro, and then Hasbro had the license. And they continued with that license for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that into around yeah. you know, 2000, maybe a little, maybe 1997 or something like that. Yeah, but of so, course they weren't selling. They weren't selling a million copies a month. So therefore, <laughs> you know that's sort of the business yeah. model. You understand a yeah. multi 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 billion dollar company, Fortune five hundred company. That's what they need to do. They need huge volume to mm-hmm. actually make it work. So they dropped the license, and that's when we, or I mean, well, after that, at some point, we went out and found it and said, "This is something we can do." Yeah. And of course, the quality that we put the game out in far exceeds the quality, Most the mass definitely. market quality of uh, that Hasbro and Parker Brothers did. But that, of course, is on purpose, right? They oh, are absolutely. doing it for the 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 twenty dollar monopoly buyers market, and we're doing it for the hobby gamers market. So, uh, at first we brought it out as a fifty dollar game, and then we actually brought it down to a forty dollar game, making survive, in my humble opinion, one of the best bargains oh, uh, in game. Because there's so much game and so many cool components in oh, that game. Yeah. <laughs> We yeah, talked those, about those those, those, those meeples. meeples. Yeah. Oh man, those meeples are so fun. I love I love shaped but, meeples. Those I, are great. Yeah. yeah, call them sepals, right? Yes, Se- yeah, sepals. That's right. exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I we really like them, and there's, there's lots of them in there, and uh, it's it is a great game, and it really stands the test of time because you know it had some very modern mechanics. So 
uh, movement points. I mean, that's got to be the first game that I can think of that has like each turn you get three movement points. You can move one guy three spaces. You can move a uh, um, a boat one space and a guy another space. So you can do all these different combinations of things. So that you know approach to game design that started back in '82 with with Julian Cortland Smith, you know, has used a thousand times since then, and uh, and makes the game still a very very good game. A little bit of a mean game. Oh, so yes. if you <laughs> sensitive friends or yeah. sensitive kids, sometimes you got to be careful that you know. I always say like you know if you got kids, let them go after mommy and daddy's. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> Because, you know, yeah. If they go after each other, there's going to be tears on the table. Oh, oh man! We talked about the cutthroatness of that game, oh, and that's yeah. that. That definitely makes it when you're sending sea ser- uh, serpents and, and oh, sharks or, and whales or after. a whirlpool. Oh, whirlpool! Yeah, taking exactly. out my boat of three guys. I'm not bitter about it. I'm really not. <laughs> he's still bitter about it. <laughs> Two weeks later, he's still bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to go into it knowing that that could happen. But that's yeah. part of the fun that experience. Sure, sure. So as a person running, obviously, a business now, and you're in IT, you, you know uh, things progress, right? The market changes, the business model can, has to change, or, or really the industry changes, and you have to kind of keep up with the times to really um, make your company successful. So mm-hmm. what do you think the board gaming is doing really well in, with changing and adapting to the marketplace? And then maybe what are some things that the industry is not doing well right now? Well, that's a very big and hard question. Um, and you got a start, couple minutes. No, yeah, <laughs> I got two minutes to answer that to, to solve every problem or point at all the good things. I mean, I think the, the the single biggest change that I see in the market in general from I mean, I've been a gamer forever. I mean, I was I was going to uh, gaming conventions in New Jersey. That's where I used to live. Uh, gosh, you know, since the you know the 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 late eighties or early nineties or something like that. Just just for, for my entire life almost, or certainly my, most of my adult life. And, you know, it was it was absolutely dominated by, you know, just uh, a bunch of, you know, young white guys. And then for a while it was young middle-aged guys, white guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So now, and it is really, a, you know, I it's almost, and you know, we're never going to be perfect. It's almost a 50-50 male and female thing because people just keep bringing their significant right. others in. It's a very diverse group. Again, not perfect. We got to keep trying. Um, I talk about this on my podcast, if I may plug a little bit on that. Boardings Insider with Ignacy Chevichek, the president of Portal Games, and myself. We do a, uh, a weekly industry-centric podcast, so you can check that out. Um, and we talk about how important, absolutely critical diversity uh, and inclusivity is because it's the only way, really the only way, to expand the market at a fundamentally bottom level, the, the bottom. You could always get more people like you, uh, into the into gaming because they're your friends and you know this and you know this. But the more that we could bring in people that have not been into gaming into gaming, we're just going to explode this industry. And I think we've we've been doing that as as good as we can do for the short term. Now we have to continue to do it even better for the long term. Yeah, I, I I agree. I was talking to my wife. She's been getting a lot into gaming. I mean, she's been playing board games, but really recently, like she played Wingspan, and now it's like. She was playing Wingspan by herself solo mode last week. I was at a football game. She's like, I played eight times today. I was like, what? So she's really getting into it, too. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're having kind of those conversations. And we were talking, actually having like a little spinoff small episodes that because we're playing games during the week where she could talk about games and kind of reach 
uh, there's definitely a market there. I mean, you look on Instagram, there's there's a lot of females and couples and people on mm-hmm. there that are playing board games, but that's it, it's it's such a small segment right now and and I definitely think and that that was actually one of my other questions what we can do to expand the the board gaming hobby because I think there's so many people that haven't experienced the hobby board games. You know, they're familiar with Monopoly or Risk, yeah. but there's so many good games out there that's available to everybody, you know, families, couples, kids, the like. And uh, I definitely think we just keep outreaching and, you know, we have couples over all the time and uh, it the, the, they, I, they'll tell me later, like, yeah, about this game, about this game, about this game, because I tried it out and then they're playing with their friends and they're playing with their kids and yeah. it just kind of grows organically from yeah. there. People don't. People still have no idea what we do. No, they have oh, yes. no idea so what we're doing. Oh. Like board games. Oh, you mean Monopoly? That's the first thing that everybody <laughs> yeah. out there says. And I say to everybody, sort of, not only just generally in response to that, but just as a general statement, every every family in America. I'll use America. That's where I live. That's where we are. Every family in America should take that copy or copies of Monopoly <laughs> off their shelf, throw in the garbage, and put code names yeah. right there. Yeah. I mean, I mean that is like. Such a great, accessible, family-ish weight game. You play it with friends. You can play that with everybody. I I played that several times with complete non-gamers recently, and they just had a blast. Oh, yeah. That that game is now available everywhere. It has created – it has made CGE, which was already a great company, into a phenomenon. And that game has sold – I believe the number is over four million copies. Wow. Uh, I, I saw that yeah. saw that recently. Just staggering and just wonderful that that they could have that success. And it's it's a success for the industry. Absolutely, a, rise, a rising tide floats all boats. Something like that, and something like what Asmodee is doing is proof positive that there's space for everybody in this industry, uh, and we could we're going to continue to do well. Uh, by bringing out great games and bringing more people into this hobby. Yeah, agree. Um, we're we're running a little close on the segment, so a little light hired question: Are you mm-hmm. a board game collector, or are you one of those that it's you pare down your collection every so often? Like for us, we I can't, we can't sell oh, or get I rid can't. of games. It's really hard for us. It is really hard. <laughs> okay, I have to buy so more shelves. That's a really interesting question. So, like I, I mentioned, I uh, you know I used to live in New Jersey, and obviously I expanded my collection when I was there uh, under as a, um, as of course the you know, owner president of Stronghold yeah. Games. Uh, when I left and I came down to Florida, uh, which is where I am now, about almost two years ago, um, I definitely gave away quite a few games, not a truly large percentage. Maybe ten percent. I don't know. Some number. Maybe it was a little bit more in total number. But and some I just gave to gave to Goodwill because yeah. nobody wanted them. Just stuff that had accumulated. However, I, I doubt you have seen this, but you could go check my Facebook page or something. Yeah, my Facebook page. I have it. Uh, I took a picture of my game wall here in Florida. In my house, I have a thirty-foot linear wall. The way they build homes in in Florida is that one wall has no windows because they they're very close to each other. Their mm. homes, so one wall has no games, has no windows whatsoever. And on that wall, and it's like oh, thirty feet long. It's the entire length of the house, and the wall itself is like sixteen feet high. It's like a double, you know, there's like a yeah. a floor and a half in the house. Um, I started by putting two of those Calex five by five shelves yeah. in. And realized as I built them and started putting the games in, I'm, I'm not even close 
<laughs> to the amount of games that I'm going to have the space I need. I then bought three more. They fit as if they were made for that wall. I had an inch of space oh, left. Yeah, nice. I didn't. I was going to have two and a half inches, but due to crown moldings and this, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm not going to fit this. <laughs> I got all five shelves. They fit in there. I put all the games in, and that's like literally all the games. Now I started putting games on top of that, yep. but I'm going to pare down the collection somewhat. Really, in the end, nobody can play that many games. Nobody no. can. Uh, um, can justify that. I don't even have the gaming group down here that I had back in New Jersey where I knew hundreds of gamers. I don't have that here. But it's also at some point sort of an artistic expression yes. of what I have come from, all these beautiful, yep. cool Absolutely. games. I will be paring this down, <laughs> but it's always going to be five Calyx 5x5 shows. <laughs> as long as I live in this home because it just looks good. There yeah. you go. There you go. Nice. <laughs> We have those same shelves up too. Yeah, <laughs> each of our houses. You can see here in the background that I yeah. have a couple of those. He's not, got not, the white. I've got the black I got ones. The dark, I got the dark browns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> those are awesome shelves for games. Yep. Well, cool. really. Well, thanks for answering questions. Uh, let's go ahead and move on and talk about what's been on our table here. All right, what's on your table this week? Uh, for those who don't. Remember, no, uh, what's on our table? We just talk about games that's been on our table this week, maybe games we've tried at work or with others. Um, Stephen, you want to go ahead and try uh, start out since you're our guest of the week? Ah, sure. And I, it'll be a little self-serving, sorry to say, but it, that's it's okay. true. I'm, <laughs> besides, besides recently playing code names with a group of non-gamers, which I really had a great time doing that, I was on vacation, an actual real vacation. So I brought two go. things. I brought code names. I brought one other party game we never got to, which is Catchphrase, which is one absolutely oh, one of my oh, favorite yeah. yep. party games. Love that game. Love that game. You can play it in teams. It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, but I also brought all of basically all of my roll and rights. Right now, as you may know, uh, roll and, the roll and write mechanic is like the biggest kind of thing uh, in gaming. Everyone's starting to use it. Um, Wolfgang Warsh, an absolute genius of game design, came out with Gunshun Clever, which was nominated uh, for the Spiel des Jahres a year ago. Um, and we picked that up and we called it That's Pretty Clever. He, we then did Twice as Clever with him, the follow-up, and Bricks. All of those are rolling rights by him. And then we also did Second Chance, Dizzle and Encore, which releases actually next Friday, meaning six rolling nice. right games all within the oh, same man. six or so months from each other. All these small form factor $20 games, you buy into the system, you want the next and you want the next. Yeah. It's, and it's, they're all really doing well for us. I think cool. rolling right's going to be there for a while. So I basically brought all of these with me on vacation too uh, <laughs> last week. And while some of those are a little too much definitely twice as clever is a little too much for non-gamers we did actually play that's pretty clever they barely got it um but we played a lot of second chance i'm not sure if you're familiar with that it's a flipping right so sort of like rolling right but flip two cards come up and basically the, and the two like um tetris like pieces uh polyominals mm -hmm. so not exactly tetris but you know that style of thing and you basically draw that on your sheet the person who most completely fills in their entire sheet by the end of the game will win the game yeah. anybody play this game you can play it with your grandma you can really mm -hmm. play it with kids down to like age six they're not going to maybe do as well but they they'll get the idea and they'll be drawing their pretty shapes and things on their sheet so really 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 great game and uh bricks that's the not to like market it for you um it's tetris rolling right right is that the uh, one yeah yeah that's okay exactly also by Wolfgang Warsh, and it's it literally you can say it's Tetris the Rolling Right. We can't say that. Right. That's exactly, 
trademark name, smack me for for even mentioning the word. Uh, but but yeah, but basically you are you know um, uh, the, you roll two dice. Uh, each person, player will take a turn. Two dice will be rolled, and a Tetris piece, an actual like one of those pieces, will be selected. You can spend energy to to say I don't want that one. I want a different one, and then that piece will be quote unquote dropped down from the top of your sheet down, and you'll have to draw that or exit out on your sheet. And you're trying to basically get entire rows completed, as you would in Tetris, and those would score you the most points. If you leave, like, one blank, a little less points, two blanks, even less points. And again, you're trying to do this and hit all of these things. You'll get extra energy by hitting certain spaces on your board, and the energy will allow you to manipulate the pieces and things like that. So um, people say, well, why would I just not play Tetris? When you're playing <laughs> playing this in a multiplayer game, it's a, it's a whole different yeah. idea. But it has that that Tetris almost like arcade style yeah. feel from the, uh, in the seventies that I was playing when I was and young. And it's another accessible game because everybody could look at that and just know what to do with it. Essentially, yeah. No, I, I've seen some people playing that at the last convention and it looked pretty cool. Very, yep, yep, exactly. Very accessible games. Um, and we'll be coming out with more of these. This was sort of the first set. Um, other ones that are really gonna, ch- you know take that whole roll and write kind of idea and bring it to a different level, which, you know, is something that, that again, drives the industry. When, when one person does something and they realize, wow, that's an interesting idea. Then the next person will borrow it, not steal it. They will borrow it. <laughs> that helps innovation within the industry. So I, I disagree. Kudos yeah. to, um, to Wolfgang Warsh for, for, for realizing that this is a, just a great concept to start with. And now people will riff on that idea. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we saw like tile placement like that, you know, decade ago, and tile placement has really evolved and gotten better too. So yeah, for sure. Um, Chris, you want to talk about what's uh, been on your table this week? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, It'd be starting to become football season. Uh, The boys and I are getting out Blitz Bowl by Games Workshop. It's a offshoot game from their Blood Bowl um, line. It's a Barnes & Noble exclusive. Um, What it is, it's a small version. You have uh, fewer players. Um, It's a two-player football, uh, fantasy football type game where you're just punching and beating and it's card-driven and so on. It plays in about 30 to 60 minutes versus about the two hours you normally get a Blood Bowl game. And so it's it's easily accessible. A lot of little lesser rules and fiddly and and so we're getting out our teams uh we're gabe as as we mentioned during gen con he's getting into the painting and so he painted up some orcs painted up some humans i've got some dwarves and we got enough teams for the boys so we're getting all of our teams together and starting a league so we're we're just doing matchups and and playing on that so we're going to do this on a weekly basis where we get we, we can all four of us six of us can get together and we play a half an hour game once a once a week and and get that on the table and have some fun with the the, the football as, aspect in the season. So cool. that's that we're just starting that right now. And actually this last weekend, Emily, my oldest daughter, who's in college, uh, came back home and she brought her friend, shout out to Maddie. I want to give her a shout out. Um, brought home. Uh, uh, Maddie's uh, play softball with Emily and stuff. So they were at the coach's uh, house a week ago and brought out that secret Hitler game and uh, introduced a lot of the team players and their coach to secret Hitler. And Maddie came back and she's like, Chris, I want to play secret Hitler. So we busted <laughs> out secret Hitler and played a couple games on that. And uh, the very first game, I was actually the secret Hitler and uh, ended up winning with the, the fascists and stuff. But that's a very fun game. <laughs> 
game too as well and <laughs> just a lot of fun times so that's that's a game emily took to college and she's introducing a lot of her sweet mates and, and softball teammates to secret hitler and getting them them into uh some of these hobby games and stuff so very proud of her and shout out to very Maddie. cool yeah cool uh, well, this week, uh, Emily and I actually played Lanterns, the Harvest Festival. Now, I've seen this a lot on like Board Game Geek and all around, and I've seen pictures of it. I just never got a chance to play it. Um, we actually have a local, uh, they call it the Delt Hand. It's this group that's a traveling library, and he takes it around to local breweries, and you just basically get to go and drink beer yeah. and play his games. It's, <laughs> Bre- breweries? Yeah, exactly. Talking my language, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so here, I want to interrupt real quick. If you're ever out in the Midwest in Iowa, let us know. We'll take you out to the fire trucker where we go out to the Delt Hand and, and some other, we've got a lot of microbreweries oh, we around have here. Oh, my here. gosh, Des Moines has a lot. So Even if, here in Ankeny, yep, we're in, um, yeah. Exactly. So if you're ever out here, let us know. We'll take you out to some of these microbreweries. <laughs> I, I was in Cedar Rapids this year. Oh, uh, yes. Sadly, uh, sadly, I, I didn't. That's not that's, that close to no, you. No, no, it isn't. That's two and a half hours away, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Des Moines, they have like the yeah. biggest microbrew, uh, most beers, microbrews yes. on tap, I guess. This per capita, place is yep. huge. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nice. It's yes. awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the Deltan, shout out to Joe. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast. Uh, he goes around with that library, and so we get to try out games that I've never played before. And we tried out Lanterns. Um, it's a uh, tile laying game, essentially, where you're trying to match up colors. Uh, you're getting sets of these lantern cards, which are colored, and then you turn them in for uh, victory points. So either you get a set of four or one of each or stuff like that or two of a kind. Um, it's a lighter game. Um plays really well for two for the couples out there and it also plays up to four uh definitely i would say a gateway game that looks really good on the table really easy mechanics and it's fun to play so hard to argue with something like that so cool have you tried that chris i have not i've seen it but not played it yet yeah steven have you played uh, lanterns before I have played Lanterns a long time ago. Very interesting mechanic in that game. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, that's what was on my table. All right, on this week's you should try. Uh, we're talking about terraforming Mars. A little pandering here, not going to lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nothing wrong I'll with that. I'll accept it. I'll accept it. No problem. <laughs> For those who don't know, terraforming Mars, if you haven't guessed it, is uh, published by Stronghold Games. And and in fact, I think it's your was your is your biggest one now for games oh, sold oh yeah uh, by f- yeah yeah <laughs> nothing yes by far doesn't nothing can touch it it it's it's just crunching it's one of the biggest selling games in the industry thank thankfully that that really took the company to a whole nother level and it certainly um let's say inspired the uh the merger with indie boards and cards oh, okay. uh, the you know it's mm-hmm. stronghold uh, that much more attractive. Indie Boards and Cards has got some very big hits that they sell tens of thousands of units a year. I'll, I'll plug the other side there, like The Resistance and Coup. Yeah, oh, good. We Actually, have those. Yeah. These games, these games are doing phenomenally well for them. So you know, when a couple strong companies get together, we become even stronger. But definitely, Terraforming Mars is the our is the stronghold side number one seller. Uh, maybe you should do a crossover with Terraforming Mars where there's a trader and you're trying to trash plant. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe write that down. Expansion. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Chris, you haven't played Terraforming Mars, have you? I have not. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> trust me. Uh, Brian actually won this game at Gen Con uh, a couple D- years D6 ago. D6 Generation. D6 I think you generation were actually there podcast. at the podcast. It was like their last hoorah. It was their last hoorah at Gen Con, yes. and Brian I ended up saying. winning. I, I won the Conan game, and Brian won the 
this, brought this home, but we have not tried it. It's been on the the short list of for me to get out here and do. So, so I played played with a couple player at first. Okay, let's just give an overview for the listeners yep. who haven't uh, know what the game is is about. Uh, so, terraforming Mars is about us terraforming the planet of Mars, and and the point of the game is try to get your oxygen, your um, uh, oh yeah, the temperature, temperature, and the ocean to certain levels to terraform the planet essentially, and that's what triggers the end game. Um, this is a meteor game. I, I'll throw that out there. The mechanics and how you play it is actually fairly simple when you break down your actions and what you can do, but you have a lot of options in the game. I mean, a lot of options. And my favorite part is the engine building part of it because you yeah. can get an engine going where you're just getting resources left and right. This is triggering this and triggering this. And it's a lot of fun, especially with the expansions, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, so kind of a meteor game plays in two hours. It is actually third overall in BGG. Yeah. This is a monster uh, on board. Yeah. Game. Um, it is currently ranked fourth in strategy and it's uh, the mechanics are card drafting, resource management and engine building. Which is that a fair assessment, Steven? Yeah, that's that's the way that I would I would describe it. If you take a look at BGG, they add all kinds of little things. <laughs> they say ta- yeah. they say things like set collection. It really is, and then take that. I just when 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 you had ri- written it into the show notes, and I had written some into the show notes, um, I looked in. I'm like, ah, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> but you know, people people would you know if there's like one little bit of something, they'll say, oh, it's that too. So sure. but I would call it. It's a it's definitely a a card drafting heavy resource management game right you're managing six different resources every one of those uh you have the mega credits you have the steel and the titanium you have greenery plants plants it's called uh um energy and heat Heat, and each one of those can do different things for you uh and you can take different strategies on on how to use them you could say i'm not even going to go near the uh the plants and i'm going to go with you know high energy to heat kind of mm-hmm. um, production idea. So, right, and it absolutely is an engine-building game where you're going to start out very slowly, and as time goes on, your corporation, you're all playing corporations, is going to ramp up and be able to do more things and be able to get combinations using these cards to to bring up that heat like two two segments, and therefore uh, you can get a, a extra bonus by doing so and things like that, so... I also That's like. How I, describe it. I love it on the action phase about this game. Is on each turn you have to take one or two actions. If you don't, you pass. And the action phase just keeps going until every player exhausts the actions they I want like to that. take. So you're not tied in to. Oh, I only get to do two things this turn. I could do everything I want to do, and especially in game as you set up that engine. Yeah. You're like, mm-hmm. I got all this titanium. I got all the steel. I got all this money, and I'm just buying stuff and placing stuff it's it's a lot of fun um points are just coming from everywhere at the end of the game though and i love that because there's so many different strategies you can take you can really focus on plants like you're saying or you could really focus on doing the energy and the temperature or you could focus on um getting a lot of steel and titanium i've i've seen it playing several times people take all the strategies and seen them win which is a lot of fun uh very thematic though like (laughs) there's a card where you like blow up a nuclear bomb as the card, and it raises the temperature of the planet. Well, of course. Yeah, it's just stuff like yeah. that. It's just fun. I, it, I really it, like it. The game it, The game is amazing. It's obviously not It's not a teaching game. We're not, no. you know, it's, yeah. it's not something that, oh, let's use this in a school to teach people how we would terraform Mars. No, that's not it. It is a great game first, but it is based 
extraordinarily heavily on real projected science. So the game takes place in the year 2400. It starts in the year 2400. And every uh, game round is is a generation. What's a generation, right? It's 25, 30 years, right? Uh, you know, every when you have kids, that's a generation. You They, they have kids, it's a generation. So... And the game is going to take place over like 15 generations or something, 14 or whatever the, the average number is. So you think about that. That's like 400 years. So from the year 2400, which is 400 years in the future, to 2800, you could kind of see that this might be able to happen with these types of projected technologies that are in the game. The The designer, Jacob Frixelius, out in Sweden, is a a doctor of physical sciences, of wow. natural, natural sciences. And he, he based it all on papers he's written and various things that, you know, that, that could happen now or, and or mostly in the future. So he did a great job of, of really he, making he it a thematic experience as well. So, so Brian, you got to teach Chris how to play the game. I know. Oh, we will. It's on we the, will. It's on the <laughs> <laughs> you know, even in the, uh, I'm looking at the rule book, even the rule book, there's like little snippets talking about the science, which is really yeah. cool. I really, I thought yeah. that was pretty neat. Um, yeah. The expansions, by the way, on this, you know, some games, your expansion to a game you like, and you're like, okay, that's, that's interesting. But the expansions for this, holy cow. Uh, at Origins this year, I played with every expansion except for obviously the newest Turmoil. And oh my word, that was one of the more epic experiences in my recent gaming experience or gaming um, history, and it was so much fun. Yeah, and it's all mix and match too. You can it play is. with you can play with the the Hellas map and the Prelude cards, but leave out colonies and, and Venus or vi any of those combinations. And Turmoil, which is coming out um, at the end of the year, that was kickstarted early this year. We'll have it out. Uh, uh, by the end of the year, that is going to really ratchet the system up. We're actually kind of calling it an expert expansion because it adds a full another level or, or part of the game. You're own, you're it, mechanically you're playing an area control game mm -hmm. uh, on the right. side um, because you are sending delegates to the terraforming council to basically politically <laughs> politically manipulate. The way people think. Nice. Oh, doesn't that sound interesting? The way that you know, in the United States and across the world, <laughs> when you want, when you when you believe that that um, your ideas are better for a given area, society, or concept, you're gonna engage in politics, and that's what it does. You send delegates to, and you you go and you want the the Calvinists maybe to be in power because you've got a heat strategy, and therefore the things that they can do for you is gonna be better. Uh -huh. Than the things that oh, no. the green, uh, the, the green party will do, and, and maybe, and they want to put greenery all over things. So all of these possibilities now happen with this other area and these global events, which you can plan for because you can see them coming, um, will trigger and things will happen, and that and based on what parties in 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 power and who you're supporting will give you bon bonuses or negatives and things like oh, that. That so, sounds yeah, awesome. That is so real life and realistic aspect yeah. of adding Jeez. to the game. It is. But we've been telling people that you know you may not want to add that kind of. <laughs> So and, and I yeah. and I, I always try not to oversell my games because I want I, I believe there's a game for everybody and if you're a purist yeah. Yeah. and you just like terraforming for what it is and maybe you play just with Prelude because it kind of maybe it quickens things mm -hmm. up in the beginning it does that's a great experience and maybe you don't want to add this huge layer so then it's not for you but for somebody who wants to just make the game a little oh, more epic man yep. a little more realistic boom then you got oh term yeah.
We're gonna have nice. to pull that down on a weekend. I, I unfortunately I didn't get to back turmoil and actually yeah, only just I have, missed it. I think I just have Venus and the Elysium maps, but I de- after playing Prelude and uh, the Colonies, oh my word, Colonies is amazing. Um, anyway, great yeah. game. Please check it out again. Thanks. It's maybe not for the faint of hearts if you're if you're kind of just getting into gaming but if you like these big epic strategy tons of choices uh tons of strategy this is the game for you so. yeah this is actually on my buy list it's i i've got my christmas list uh starting to make up for <laughs> games to get and this is in this is on it so i'm excited to give it a try and and get a hold of it yeah we'll play it i promise oh yeah we will <laughs> cool All right, on this week's Love and Hate, uh, let's go ahead and start out and talk about our love. Uh, Steven, you want to start it off? With love? Love. 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 I love love my cat. I love my girlfriend. (laughs) Okay, all right, you mean games. Okay. Um, It doesn't have to be, but sure. (laughs) I love beer. I love craft beer a lot. (laughs) Usually when we're recording, it's at night, so we're drinking craft beer at the same time. It's a little early during the day. Yeah, 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 we're we're recording in the middle of the afternoon, right? I'm I'm having a Pellegrino water right now. There you go. Um, so yeah, so I, I, all right. So in the, in the realm of games, my, one of my biggest loves is, is Hidden Trader. Um, I love Hidden Trader games because I love outsmarting people and trying to like, you know, act like I'm like, you know, the naive and I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just, I'm in, I'm on your side. Don't worry. Don't, you know, I'm doing the good things for you. And all of a sudden, boom, I come out and I'm the, yeah. I'm the bad guy. So, you know, we, on the stronghold side, we have Dark Moon, which which mm. distilled Battlestar Galactica, you know, the, the FFG game. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's kind of distilled it out to to that kind of experience in like only a one hour game. So that's that one out. of my. Favorite. And of course, I mentioned on the indie boards and cards side, uh, they have uh, we have the Resistance, which is a hidden trader yep. game, and Avalon, which is a spinoff of that. And they they kind of excel in doing a lot of those social games. So that's my one of my biggest. My biggest loves, the hidden trader. And also like the one versus many. Because oh, that's yeah. just kind of a cool thing. It's sort of like you're not a hidden trader, but you're kinda of like working against everybody. I love being the one. Like Fury of Dracula, have you <laughs> yes. played that game? Oh in my, yes. In my catalog, not alone. Uh just yeah. I just I was just saying, I have Not Alone right here. Uh, we played that a uh, couple months ago at work. It, it's fun. I really like it. It's really stressful as an alien. You're like, ah, oh, what are they? What can I do? And they're all over, and it's just second guessing each other, and it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Battlestar Galactica is is my all time favorite game. I just I love it. Just I love the show, and just so thematic in that. Just yep. I'm fine, guys. I'm I'm not a Cylon. Then I'm a no. Cylon sucker. Air, airlock him. <laughs> Great moment. Yeah, airlock. exactly. <laughs> oh man. All right, uh, Chris. Uh, what what's your love for this week? I really like uh, deck building games. The, that mechanic of where you start out with and just you know a set of cards or set of aspect, and as you progress, you get a call and go down strategies and improve this. Uh, Thunderstone Quest is a great uh, deck building mechanic. One when we played Clank uh, this summer at Origins, um, that aspect of, of deck building built into the games. Fantastic. Yeah, Fantastic. those are those are the games, and that's a mechanism I've come to really, really, really like. I, I never really grew up playing. Um, deck uh, building games like Magic the Gathering or, or things like that. To me, that's kind of almost 
too much for analysis paralysis of hey, getting the best card and this kind of stuff. But where when you put that game mechanic, so so that's why I stayed away from those. But you you put that game mechanic in into like a Thunderstone Quest, a Clank, and those type that really adds to that. And I and I've come to really enjoy that of how trying to maximize going down a certain strategy and then maximizing and improving my situation to get to that strategy. I've I've developed for the game and stuff. So deck building really like it good choice good choice good choice good choice um now my love and uh, this might sound like pandering it really wasn't this is on my list <laughs> it was on the list before we talked to you it was <laughs> um so also at the deltan we played uh gone sean clever or that's uh that's, that's pretty, pretty clever, clever. That's pretty yes. clever. Yep. um now I, we're gonna have to admit here uh steven uh chris and i are not roll and write fans like we really don't like them but that's cool but Emily, my wife, really likes them, like really, really likes them. And I asked, hey, you pick a game. And I went to go get us beers, and I came back, and this was on the table. I'm like, okay, let's play it. This might have changed my mind. I'm not going to lie, Chris. You, you've got to try this. We're gonna, we're, um, Emily was already on Amazon uh, pulling it up, <laughs> <laughs> buying it That's, yeah. uh, before the game was over, which is always a good sign. Um, I, I really like it. it um, it's kind of – I kind of described it as uh, – Yahtzee like ratcheted it up to 11 and each of the colored dice have like a different mechanic when you roll it or you take it and then it can set up combos so if I complete this row it gives me a free check mark in the red row which then could give me a check mark in the green or for example yeah yep. yes um really like that and then you have like a wild dice so there's a lot of strategy and then whatever you leave left your opponents get too. So there's some strategy yeah. you have to look at there. I'm like, well, I can't give them that. Like that would give them 20 points. So there's a lot of strategy there. Um, I like it. It's a little buildy. I don't know. I just really like it. Um, I did terrible though. Yeah. Did terrible. Uh, my score, it, when you looked on the back, I, I was like at 130 and everybody was like almost at 200. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, maybe next time. Yeah. It, it, it's absolutely a game that uh, will reward, you know, multiple plays. I mean, yeah, I, I do very well and that's pretty clever. I'm always over 200, but uh, like in twice as clever, <laughs> I could, I've broken 200 like twice. I think it's, <laughs> it's it, that really makes it so hard to score really well. But anyway, thanks. I mean, thanks for the yeah. shout out. It, it is, it is a really interesting game. Certainly that's kind of opened up the whole genre for, um, you know, uh, that since, since it's come out. Yeah, I think I think it's a good genre for gateway to be honest because it's yeah, really easy to understand, and mm-hmm. you can still be a little more social. So if you don't want to just like focus on a really heavy game or something, you can be social while playing the game too, which I, I like. Right, and see that that's my aspect with uh, roll and rights, and especially ones in the past. They seem to be multiplayer solitaire games so you're just playing your game. So I, I I'm very interested in uh, finding those. Uh, um, um, roll and write games that have some player interaction. Like you mentioned, if, if I pick these dice, there's a dice pool or something they, uh, other people can interact. I, I play games to interact with people, the social aspects, and not really just play a uh, solitary type game. So that's where if, if there are these roll and write games that come out that have that mechanism of there's certain interactions, uh, things like that, then that I'm more interested in. I'll definitely give those, those type of tries. But if I'm just rolling dice and, and checking off my board and have no interaction with the people around me that's that isn't as interesting to me so yeah we'll, we'll have to try it out yeah, i think most definitely i'm I think, interested in i think jamie your girlfriend would yep. really like it too yeah all right let's move on to hate and i mean i use hate in a loose word yeah. here i mean we dislike a lot but it, it's just you know kind of a stick with the with it um so what would be your uh 
dislike Stephen. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't yeah. hate anything. Yeah, yeah I mean, we uh, got PR to worry yes. about. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I got especially, uh, you know, as a publisher, can't can't say you hate anything, no. uh, and I really don't. I mean, I'll I'll almost play anything, you know. Uh, but I mean, the, the one thing that I I guess I just like, uh, if you're a player that's prone to AP analysis paralysis, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. let's just say that we won't be playing games together. I uh, I I don't like um, anybody who has to overanalyze a turn. I play games. I obviously every everybody should play a game to win the game. Yep. But when it it's like the it should never be, in my opinion, your overriding reason to be playing. I must win this game. That's crazy. Unless it's a tournament and there's something at stake. Different story. You know, poker. Yeah, yeah. You got to win, right? I mean, you, money's on the line. Got to win it. So I, I don't play with AP players. Take your turn. Get ready. Terraforming Mars is a great example where you don't got to wait until yep, right. if three-player, four-player, five-player game – I finish my turn. I'm already planning my next turn. Comes mm-hmm. back around to me. I know I'm playing this card, and then maybe I'll play this card depending on the situation. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll wait, and then turns should just flow. Mm-hmm. Don't AP. No analysis paralysis. Anti-analysis paralysis. <laughs> you know what? If you make yeah. a mistake, it's just a game. Yep. It's just a game. You play it again. <laughs> Reset. Play it again. Exactly. All right, yeah. Chris. Uh, yeah. Hate for you. Now I, I agree with you, oh, Stephen, sorry. on that. Uh, you know, yeah, no, it's uh, my my hate for the week was long downtime in between turns, and that was alluding to two two aspects: that analysis paralysis of players who interact and uh, you know just take way too long. Exactly, you make a decision, have fun, go with it, learn from it if you make a mistake, and then also games that are designed to have 10, 15 minutes of downtime in between turns with other players. They're just sitting there losing interest. It's I, I love aspects of games where they have, okay, it's my turn, but there's something that goes on where a player has maybe a small aspect to do something during my turn. Um, dice Forge, uh, where I roll my dice and you get some aspects, other players get to do that. Uh, space Space, and there's other dice rolling games that whatever, I my turn is the major, but other people are interacting and doing something within that turn. It keeps them engaged, keeps them involved, uh, and just you don't lose people, people to their phones, to getting up, walking away from the table, uh, things of that kind of stuff. Keeps the game flowing so i really like that when games do have that type of uh, mechanism type build and it's or it's a quick flow turn where it's not really elongated and people lose interest so yep i'm there with you agreeing or, with that or if you play an engine building game with me where my team take my turn legitimately <laughs> no. takes 10 minutes because like, no, sure, yeah so brian is an engine building guy <laughs> that is his game mechanic <laughs> or if it's a card i like to yeah. play my whole hand yep. i mean that's what you're supposed to do yep. right yep you're supposed to play the game <laughs> um quickly <laughs> my hate i just put car replacement uh emily's <laughs> car just uh this we, we paid it for cash i mean it was a good deal for what yep. we had but we had to get rid of it and then we've been saving up you know we budgeting episode number four uh (laughs) saved up money like to pay cash for things and we upgraded a little bit and we went to trade it in they ran the history board on it and somehow it was basically a salvage title but they got away or somehow got around getting an actual salvage title not sure how they did that but uh the car is basically worth uh nothing and uh Ish. Oh, just annoying. Yeah. Just annoying. Thankfully, we had the cash that we saved up for. It wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, it was kind of a junky card anyway. So maybe we lost on eight thousand dollars than what we thought. But still, it sucks. 
Oh, sorry yeah. to hear. Yeah, it happens. It it happens. But uh, learned a lesson though about buying used cars because we were taught. <laughs> yes. We were driving home after that. And we're like thinking of all the red flags we ignored like five or six years ago when we bought that car from somebody. <laughs> we're like, okay, now we know not to do that again. <laughs> hey, learn from it exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up love and hate for this week. Alright, this week's game review, The Quacks of Quindlinburg. Uh, Chris, you want to give an overview of the game? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, in The Quacks of Quindlinburg, players are charlatans, or quack doctors, each making their own secret brew by adding ingredients one at a time. Take care with what you add, though, for a pinch too much of this or that will spoil the whole mixture. Each player has their own bag of ingredient chips. During each round, they simultaneously draw chips and add them to their pot. The higher the face value of the drawn chip, the further it is placed in the swirling pattern. Push your luck as far as you can, but if you add too many cherry bombs, your pot explodes. At the end of each round, players gain victory points and also coins to spend on new ingredients to add to their bags. But players with exploded pots must choose points or coins not both the player with the most victory points at the end of the nine rounds wins the game that Hmm. that was actually a pretty good how to play on that just high level basically each person gets their own little tableau in front of them that looks like a giant pot that swirls out and there's spots for each of the the chits that come out of the bag and then each person gets a bag with hidden uh, chits everybody starts with the same chits in there which is the cherry bombs like a pumpkin and i think it's like a strawberry or something and essentially every turn uh, you mix it up and you pull one at a time and you place it on your board. Each chit has a different value though. So it could be like one or three or four. And that number tells you how many spaces it moves around on the pot, getting you further. The further you get, the more victory points you get, the more coins you get. And at some point you got to stop because if you get too many, it blows up, like you said, right. and then you have to pick victory points or coins. Uh, it's a hard choice. Um, Cause in this game, you're basically trying to catch up with everybody and it, it, it's very costly to uh, to blow up. Um, and then when you're buying these, uh, you can buy more ingredients. And all the ingredients actually have special actions when yes, you pull them out. they're pretty cool. So one of the actions might be when you pull it out, you place it on your board, and you can draw more out of your bag. Choose one of them if you want to, or put them back. You're not forced to. Or some give you extra spaces if the last one was a certain other chit. Um, one is you can remove a previous one, thus giving you more progress than move around. So there's a lot of different combinations what I also really like about it, the books for each of the colors are, um, there's two boards for each one of the, the color chits, yep. and they're two-sided. So you progress through uh, different modes. So there's the bookmark one, which is the easiest, up to four. And so as you play the game, it completely changes the functionality of those chits. So every time you can play, the game could be completely different depending on which one you choose, which I really yeah. like. Um, basically, then at the end of the game, whoever has the most victory points that goes around wins the game it's it's actually pretty simple uh, yeah really is the play all right so uh, let's talk about artwork on this uh chris uh briefly so what do you think about the artwork on this game i really like the artwork uh it is by dennis lohansen and, and wolfgang warsh a part of the artistry uh you, you look about the middle ages um very colorful um a lot of the, the pictures and descriptions and designs are of, of the quack doctors back mm-hmm. in the, the, the early early times. And like I said, but there's beautiful colors, uh, vibrant reds and purples and blues, very colorful and uh, entertaining to see and stuff. And the, the chits 
are um, have little pictures of the ingredients of what they resemble, like, like bugs. Yes, there's and like... bugs and the pumpkins, <laughs> like you mentioned, and yeah. those cherries or cherry blossoms from the trees. Yep. So yeah, it, they're very descriptive and, and artistic in that aspect, and as well as your tableau, which is a big pot. Yeah. Um, very and so, colorful. Yes, very colorful, and and I I always love the that um. The, things like that that enhance the gameplay yes. and that to me the the art in this really does that as it really brings does. that aspect out and enjoyable yeah i agree yeah it definitely enhances the game uh it's one of those when you look by, when you like walk by and you're like oh what is this that they're playing this looks pretty cool just because it's so vibrant and the artwork's right. really good so you know i give it three thumbs up because I have three thumbs. Most definitely. Borrow and Corey's <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, all right. Rule book. Uh, rule book on this is just really simple. Yeah. I mean, there's like four pages. There's pictures and illustrations how to do it. Really simple. Um, they even have an extra book that comes with it that uh, is actually, I think, longer than the regular it, it rule book. It is longer than the rule book. That just has an explanation of all the chits and the actions that can play through it, which I, I love that. You know, uh, they give you further description exactly what it does. There's a lot of iconography in this game, and the iconography really does tell you what you can do once you learn it, but early on when you're like, what does this do? And it, maybe the description's not as clear. There's a whole book that tells right. it in detail. I love that. Yep. So uh, rule book's really good. Components. Uh, uh, Chris, what do you think about the components on this one? Components, I, I think, are very simple. Um, you got your game boards. Uh, there's a side scoring track board as well as the turn phases. Uh, lots of chits and lots of chits. And and each player has a bag that they, they'll um, draw, from or draw from on their turn. Um, there's different holders uh, for chits to, to go into in the board. Um, uh Joe from the Delt Hand, where we first played this, supplemented. He had some little petri dishes, yeah, and some things he added into to add some, uh, some to yeah, add some things to petri dishes exactly for uh, for your quack doctors. So um, he added that aspect. But uh, the the chits are nice. Uh, they're uh, simple. There's there's nothing really much out side of the board for components other yeah. than your scoring track, um, everybody's uh, pot, tableau, and then, and your, then bag. your bag and chits. It's, so a, it's really a nice quality felt bag. Yeah, it I is. I thought it was good. Yep. Um, and then you had your w- wooden tokens for where you start yep. on the pot and then the rat token, which Correct. gives you a head start depending on how far behind you are on victory points. So yeah, components really good. Yep. Nothing to complain about with it. Okay, uh, likes. Uh, Chris, what, what's your likes about this game? You know, uh, going into this, uh, when I first initially thought about... Um, that's uh, I, I'm going to start off with a dislike first because it, it it leads into a like. It's okay. Just, just just roll with it. Um, it, it sounded like a uh, one of those multiplayer solitary games, but mm-hmm. when one of the things what I liked about it is we do simultaneously turns and how I'm doing on pressing my luck and doing things all interacts and affects other people on, on the game. So and especially the final turn of it. Um, we do it at the same time because it yeah. really, really, uh, there's puts emphasis on that pressure luck mechanic is, you know, we each draw one out of the, out of time. So anyway, I, I like that aspect of the, the player interaction. It's not me just pulling shits out of the board and putting it and then seeing what Brian does and comparing mine. There is interaction with, within the players, uh, each players of that. And I, I love pressure luck games. I, I love the aspect of, okay, you know, this is, I'm building my strategy. Uh, there's different strategies 
strategies of what chits uh, ingredients I want to buy and put in my bag. Okay, and then that adding the press my luck. Okay, I'm trying to optimize my my ingredients now. Okay, let's see. Am I gonna get it? Am I gonna get it? Okay, I'm very close. Okay, do I get it? What's I I memorize and remember what chits I have left in the bag and what my odds are pulling out any the numbers of cherry blossoms and things and just going for those combination kind of engine engine building with um with the with the ingredients aspects because some of them interact and ramp up and do things so uh yeah. those are the, the the few aspects of the game that i really enjoyed that made this uh made this fun for me yeah no i completely agree really like i love press your luck uh games uh yep. just uh do i do it do i keep going i, I I know I have eight tokens. Oh, actually, yeah. this happened. This happened. This like I had twelve tokens left in the bag, and one token was gonna make me bust. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, nah, I'm going for it. And yep. then what do I pull out? <laughs> Is one token. Wow. Because yeah. of course, uh, of Chris. Course. Yeah, Chris well. smeared us when he plays. This, he he has the best luck. Like it's an ongoing joke with rolling dice. Yeah. This guy he can roll whatever he wants, whenever he wants it, and apparently can pull anything yeah. out of a bag. Evidently, I can pull it um, out of a bag too. <laughs> no, it, it's it's good. Press your luck. Uh, it definitely. Uh, sometimes press your luck can kind of feel cheap in some games, right. but the, like where it's like really not doesn't feel impactful. But this is really impactful uh, if you if you bust essentially, and so there's a lot of weight to it, and so if you really have to make that decision. Do I stop? You kind of go back and forth. I really like that. Um, and then I, it is kind of like engine building in a bag, yep. and I'm a it sucker really for engine yep. building. So um, it's a lot of fun, and the mechanics are really different. Like like I said, you could flip over those books, and it's a completely different mechanic for that one color of chit, and um, it's really good. A lot of fun, a lot of replayability. That's what I really like about the game. Have you guys ever played a game called Thebes? which came out right around the time that I was really getting into the hobby heavily and I was studying the hobby in 2007. Um, I have not. I've heard of it. Um, yeah. Right, exactly. It was an early 2000, mid-2000 game. Yeah. Um, heard a lot of good things about it, but it never ran across. Um, I do yeah. not own it. Never ran across anybody who has had it. But uh, it, is that very similar type of gameplay? With a, not, uh, well, not exactly, but I can see that there was inspiration. I've not played mm-hmm. the Quacks, by the way. Yeah. I, gotta, I have to make mention of that and i just keep hearing great things and it's wolfgang warsh who's my favorite designer right now he's so hot we've got four games of his in our catalog um but i can see that at least some inspiration for the game was probably taken because that was a a a communal bag of of items uh some of them were good and a lot of them were bad and you're going around to various sites in egypt I believe yes. it's only Egypt to excavate things. So you pull something out, and if it was like uh, an artifact, I, I don't remember exactly. That's a good thing. You you'd keep it. If it was dirt, you like turn this over, and you got to put the dirt back. So the good oh. things are coming out, and the dirt is getting bigger, and bigger. So that push your luck toward the end of the game. Is it ever going to find anything good at, at your excavation site? So it it, it, it well, made, made you speed around to go to the good excavation sites faster. So I can see a little bit of that. Um, Inspiration probably came from Thebes, which is a fantastic uh, uh, mid-weight euro back from the uh, middle 2000s. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That was a little before my hobby gaming, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brian uh, started recently. I think it's on my list to buy. I have a huge like to buy list <laughs> that never gets shorter, only gets longer. Just keep adding to it. And I think, <laughs> I think that one's on there just because of the reviews, and I've watched some game gameplay for that one. That looks great. Cool. Um, but I, I do. I love that press your luck. It's just like, yeah. oh, do I do it one more time? And uh, um. All right, dislikes. Uh, Chris, did you have any dislikes for this game? 
like I said, I I I, I thought this was going to be a uh, multiplayer solo game just after reading it and kind of staring, but um, that that turned away and it's not. So um, I, I don't know. I've been trying to think of what I didn't enjoy about that playing that game, and I I really didn't have much that would uh, would really write down um it's not a dislike for me but i've heard other people say it's a dislike there's a catch-up mechanic that's kind of oh, unique sure but and i know when you're playing yep. it you weren't very happy about it but as the game played out i don't think it's as of a big of a deal as it seems so when you're first playing the game you're like whoa this is a huge advantage like if you're in first place it doesn't feel fair but essentially on the score track there's these rats every like three or four spaces and for every rat that's between you and the first place you get this little rat token that goes on your pot and you start further along the track than the person who's in first place who has to start back at the beginning or where their your teardrop is because you can kind of upgrade where that goes with some of the tokens um and <laughs> when Chris and I were playing, I was in the last place. And Chris, you were like eight or nine yeah. tails ahead of me, which yeah. means I was getting I was getting slaughtered. Yeah. Um, and one of the fortune teller cards comes out at the very beginning that uh, that changes the round, and it said double the rat tails. I was like, oh my god, sixteen spots. Yeah. So he started sixteen <laughs> spots before I even or in other people. Way. Yeah. I think oh my god, thirty five spots. Yeah. I think. So I, you know, yeah, that's true. That's true. And after that, I was like, oh my gosh, really? But then when it came out yeah. to it, when you actually look at the difference between the spots and scoring, there's only maybe one or two victory points through like three or four spots. So it's, it seems like a lot at the beginning. And if you're in first place, it feels like maybe you're getting like the shaft, if you will, but it's, it's really not when it plays out and it's not as a catch up mechanic as you think. Not it as is big as a one. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's not like uh, power grid where in power grid, you intentionally maybe bomb out on a turn just to get you know first pick on the next turn it's not like this you definitely do not want to get in last place on purpose just for those rat tails because it's not really worth it um but not really a dislike i just yep. know reading on the internet i've seen some people say that's kind of a dislike but eh, I, I guess i just didn't think it was that big of a deal personally speaking you know honestly and thinking about that and afterwards um i think that mechanic is kind of necessary because that really emphasizes pressing your luck yeah trying does. to keep uh, really and which is the game that is the the main mechanic of the game is pressing your luck and pulling that so that really uh, yeah so if you're that uh, if you're um leading you really have you can't go conservative and just no, say hey i'm just gonna so i really have to keep drawing stuff drawing yes, stuff drawing yes, stuff which right. i think it does add to the game and keeps that in that aspect of it so yep. All right, uh, let's just go ahead and finish up this review real quick. Chris, overall, what's your review of this game? What, what score would you give it out of 10? You know, I, this is a um, a, a family-style game, and I, I'm giving this a 9. I, I really like this. This is one I can pull out, play with the kids, play with Jamie. We're, uh, we, when Brian, Emily, Jamie, and I first played it together, uh, this is one I can pull out to some of our friends and say, hey, let's introduce them to this hobby-type uh, games, and this is one I can pull out and sit down and teach them quickly on it. And uh, play a game. We was it forty five minutes under right around maybe that time? about half an yeah, hour. Yeah, it was it was under yeah right around under forty five minutes. And to me, those are great games to get um, people in to introduce them to play with. Hey, I want to. It's there's there's enough strategy in it to keep uh, uh, people involved and that pressure luck type mechanic to, for the enjoyment. Um, but so I I really like this. This is a game um, I did purchase after playing it. And um, hence why when one of our one of our rules for reviewing games is that we own them, that we play them, the games we play, and that's the kind of stuff that we own. It's on our shelves, and between Brian and I, we have a, a, a good amount of games on our shelves. Yeah, so we're, we're set for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah we're, we're set for a lineup for a couple of years of quality games and stuff. So, um, 
Heck, so our, I, yeah. our haul from Gen yeah. Con or Origins oh is probably gosh. enough to cover the year, to be completely <laughs> yes. honest. <laughs> yes, yes, and we bought we we bought many <laughs> indie and uh, Stronghold games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. We're big supporters of you guys. Love it. Uh, love love what you do. Love appreciate that. But yeah, so I like it. Uh, it to me, it's a nine. Um, I was going to give it a nine too. I really, really like this game. Uh, we actually also played it with Andy and his wife yes. Emily. Andy, shout out to you, number one fan of the games we play. Um, a- Andy's been getting kind of get into board gaming a little bit. Uh, he he's not uh, hasn't played a whole lot of hobby games, and we pulled this out one this out, and he loved it. Like he yeah. really liked it. And Emily was telling my wife Emily, that's kind of confusing, yeah. but um, they were chatting, and she was like, "I was really surprising how good that was." Like. I really enjoy that and wants to play more games. And and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. That's these yes. are the kind of games that really gets people peaked and gets into it. Sure. Yep. Um so really good. And I just realized I gave this a higher score than Blood Rage. <laughs> I might not be consistent with my scoring, but I just go off of the scoring I think of the game. But yeah, I gave Blood Rage like an eight last week. Yeah, you did. (laughs) All right, let's uh, (laughs) let's finish it up with uh, like that, like this. Um, These are games that if you like that game, then you're definitely going to like the Quacks of Quindlinburg. One of the games is Can't Stop. This is a classic Mm -hmm. uh, older game of Push Your Luck. We've talked about it on the podcast. It gives you definitely the same feel, but gives you more mechanics. Gives you some of the engine building. Uh, it gives you a little more interactivity, and I think it plays more players than um, than can't stop. But um, that kind of gives yep. you the same feel, and it, it's really good. Yep. Another one is uh, off the top of my head is Ink and Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, that pressure luck, delving into that Ink and Temple, going for that same type of mechanic of of that aspect. That's another easy family, lighthearted game yeah. um, that you know, aunts and uncles can play in, and things like that who can come in who aren't gamers. You can introduce, and if you like that, uh, you definitely would oh, like Quaxicle. Like yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, any games that maybe just from our descriptions, even that you've heard that you would think, hey, that's kind of a like other than um, Thebes, right? That, I mean, if, if I was going to try to bring it to this, uh, I can't think of anything. I, okay. Sorry, I, I put you, you on the spot. I gave you Thebes. <laughs> I gave you Thebes. <laughs> yep, yep, Thebes. He did. He gave us Thebes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay, well, that wraps up the review of the Quacks and Klingenberg. Uh, do check it out. It is on high demand. I know, Chris, yep. you had it back ordered. Um, definitely worth the time to order it and wait for it because it's that good, but that shows you how popular this game is. Yep. It's just going gangbusters. They, the retailers and distributors, it looks like they can't even keep up with demand right now. It's it's a tough game to get your hands on, probably because the expansion probably is coming out or just came out. So right, yeah, the expansion's on so pre-order popular. right now. Yep. Yeah, um, which looks really cool, but we'll have to pull that out when you get yep. the expansion. Anyway, so that's Quacks of Quindenberg. My, uh, both Chris and I gave it a 9. All right, well, that wraps up episode 21. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, our first special guest. Yes. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, I did say guest pre-recording yeah. this, and Chris is like, well, we've had a guest, Corey. I'm yeah. like. Well, in which I said, oh, we have a special guest today. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. Finesca? No, 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 no. no. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, Corey, our, our gaming buddy yeah. from work and things like that. So he was actually our first third chair, and he goes to or- or he went uh, to Gen Con with us and stuff. So we record when we record recorded at Gen Con. He was on the third chair. So he was our get, first guest, if, but you're our first you special. If Corey Kineska on, on, on here, then, then you then you really hit it, oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't appear on too many podcasts, and uh, but he's a great guy. I, if, for those who don't know, yeah. right, he's the uh, uh, lead designer at uh, Fan- Fantasy Flight Games. He just started a new studio yes. within. Yeah, he did. Yes, just heard now. that. Fantastic. Well, 
And he's a really nice guy, too. Yeah. Well, challenge accepted. Yes. Yes, I mean, we one day. <laughs> we will work to that. We just like to it's give Corey a hard time when he's not on here. Our so. buddy Corey, yeah, exactly. Because we know he listens to it every Monday when it comes out. And, uh, he works with us, too, at, at the company we work with. Yeah. So That's yeah, how we know each yes. other. We actually work at the yep. same yep. Uh, insurance company yep. uh, yep. doing IT work. So. Yep. Nice that you're, you know, taking your time out of the insurance company you know, to uh, to do this. I like that, you know. Well, exactly. it's Friday. Work from home, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, take two hours to do a podcast. Love it. I love it. My my boss yes. doesn't listen. No, I was joking. I, I told him. I told yeah. him like I need a couple hours, and he's like, "Fine, that's you worked extra this week, so that's fine." Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a lot of fun this week. Uh, a lot of fun talking through games. Yes. Fun talking, get a little peek inside Stronghold Games. That was really really interesting. I, I find that Absolutely. fascinating and. I'm sure we could have more conversations. We go to Origins and Gen Con, yep. so we'll um, definitely see you around. That's for sure. Stop by anytime. Love to see everybody when we're over there. That's why I go. Because I want to Absolutely. see the fans. I want to talk to people. That's my thing. To be honest, of all the people, like you know, I've seen like I've seen developers. I've seen right. other podcasters. When I'm walking around Origins and Gen Con, I see you like everywhere. Thank uh, you. Of like the hundreds of thousands of people, it's funny. I'm just walking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's there's Stephen Bonacore just walking by. It's funny. Um, so, uh, Stephen, yes. do you want to uh, tell our listeners places that they can find you to connect up with you, uh, find places to look at your games? I appreciate that very much. Let me uh, plug the usual places. It's strongholdgames.com is our website. And if you go there on the right side, you can sign up for our newsletter. We don't spam you. You get like one a month. It just keeps you in touch with what's happening when we're doing the pre-orders, what games are coming out. Very, very active on Twitter and Instagram, and that's at Stronghold Games. When you do something on Twitter and you tag at Stronghold Games, I'm going to be the one who's liking it, retweeting it, and answering almost everything that goes on there. So if you want to talk cool. directly to That's me, cool. Twitter account is really where to go. We have a YouTube channel, Stronghold Games. Facebook, we're constantly posting stuff, slash Stronghold Games. I mentioned Board Games Insider Podcast. Mm. It's and good. that's um, BoardGamesInsider.com. And, of course, you can get Board Games Insider wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and all that kind of great stuff. Ignacy Chevichek and Stephen Bonacore, we talk for 35, 40 minutes every week if we can when we're not traveling and we tell you a little bit about the company but really about what's going on in the industry commentary on the news we take questions from our our uh, listeners on board game geeks uh guild that's where we get our questions uh and i hope like like you just said i hope to see you guys uh and everybody out there either at essen in october that's uh, coming up very soon yeah. bgg con in november packs unplugged in December, and then we Ooh. finally close out the convention <laughs> season, and I can rest a little bit for like uh, a couple yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, yeah for a couple months again. until the whole thing starts again. But hey, guys, thank you so much for having me on. This was been great. This is a very informative and fun podcast, and those are the best kind of all. So oh, well, thank, thank you, you. really, Appreciate really, mu- very much for having me on. Yeah, that, that's our goal to yeah. try to, to expose games yep. to new people and people, veterans of the hobby, and talk about new games and just spread games the wealth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we got an old guy over here. Yeah. <laughs> I started collecting them back in 1980. Before I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was eight years old. I started about eight years old. So, yeah, that'll, that'll do the math. I'm yeah, I'm a little older than Brian. Just a little. Uh, just I'm a little. Older. <laughs> just a couple, a couple years, just a couple years. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it. But from the games we play, I am Brian. And I am Chris. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod and at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com.